this is me asking you, Megan, like um, I already asked you around how you actually approached doing your four steps. So the, what I'd like to, you to imagine is that there's a woman somewhere and she's listening to these and she's trying to figure out like, okay, this is the four step. I gave her a link to the worksheets and how did you even begin to do the four step? You've already written your list of names, you know, and the reasons why you got to say how angry you are to me. And then I say, okay, go finish your four step. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. So what did you do? Okay. Um, do you want me to address the, how, what did I do or how did I co-create the situation or like go through the whole process? No, just logistically. How okay. did you write it? How did you yeah. get data together? How did you? Okay. Um, so the first thing I did was I exported all of my Google contacts, which I, I've always had an Android phone. So literally everyone I ever went on okay, keep a date with their phone number is in there. Uh, and <laughs> I, I had to go through and like delete. All, I was like, why do I still have to do this number? <laughs> um, and then also my Facebook profile, um, you can actually export like a CSV of all those contacts. And I dumped it into a Google spreadsheet and then I, uh, filtered for duplicates and yeah. Um, and I think the thing that was helpful that you told me about Nicole, I think when I was first starting to do my fourth step, I had like, you know, I had like five things for my mother and they were very general, like, Oh, my mother is codependent or whatever. And then you said, um, the thing that you said was, your inner child needs to be heard or your inner child, this is, this is her chance to be heard. So I want specifics about specific events that you resent or are angry about um, and go through all of them. And, and that was really helpful for me to get specific on the things that I resented. And, you know, it brought up, I think for me, a lot of body memories and a lot of you know, and it is kind of amazing how that stuff will come into your consciousness once you call it. Um, and so uh, that's kind of how I was listing out my anger and resentments. And if I look here, and so like I'd have a column, you know, for but just as my mom, and then um, uh, let's see here of what I what I resent. And then what it affects, which are, you know, the, the big books, like your sexual relations, self, self-esteem, pride, and then there's other ones as well, emotional security, personal relations. Um, and then column D is um, what did I do or how did I co-create the situation, which I think is a, a better question. Um, so I think... I wrote this down as, as notes, but what did I do, if anything, to set in motion the um, train of circumstances, circumstances which in turn cause people or institutions to hurt me eventually? And to hurt me eventually, yeah, okay. So those are notes from what you said. Um, but that was helpful for me, I think. Um, and especially because I 
I definitely come from a family of origin of like the victim mentality. And I've definitely like had a lot of that in the past of, you know, oh, I had no culpability at all. And that's also like a codependent thing is to think like, oh, I had no culpability at all. I just don't know how I ended up here. I don't know what happened. And so to start looking at um, my part in the situation. And a lot of times my part was just, oh, I was powerless over choosing this. Like I, one that came up for me a lot was, um, oh, I'm, I'm seeking connection from unavailable people. And like, just, I would just do that over and over and over and over again. And am powerless over like the choices that I made for friendships and for dating and all of that. Um, so a lot of it was just a revealing of powerlessness. And then also, you know, understanding what my side of the street is in that too. And then in <clears throat> did that help you with um, harms done, sexual conduct? You know, um, yes. What about yeah. you did your fears? Um, so I mean, having all of those names, did that help you like? Yeah, having the name. So one thing I'll talk about uh, the sexual inventory. One thing that you said to me that was very helpful because my tendency, um, like I like to say that I dated every single unavailable alcoholic in San Francisco and my tendency was to look at how I was being objectified. And the thing that you told me was like, um, if I'm being objectified, I am also objectifying that person in some way. And, you know, my objectification was, um, you know, I want a boyfriend, but I'm never going to tell the person this and I'm going to try to like manipulate them with sex into being in a relationship with me. And so, um, that was helpful to to understand like my culpability and also just like minimizing my own needs um for the sexual inventory um for fears i have the same that my fears were not as long because this, i have the same fears that repeat how did you how did you over and over again. figure those how did you write those out did they just come out or did you have to look or was there yeah um that's a good question i think yeah some of it is related to um the anger piece that a lot of sometimes the like in my primary partnership like some some of the anger is related to fear right or the resentments are related to fear of abandonment um and then actually also you can't be angry without being in fear so yeah 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 that's a really good point. And then also the the shame inventory, I think, helped me a lot uncover my, my fear um, that underneath the shame was, was fear. Um, yeah, so that was helpful. Um, okay, and then for the harms, do we want to move on yeah. to that? Okay, so for the harms, the thing... That was helpful. And I know you don't necessarily recommend this to your sponsees, but actually the thing that was helpful to me was going over little bits in real time because then I got your feedback from it and I could I could see it as I was 
doing the rest of it. And one of the things that was useful for me. So the main, the primary one, right, that we have always is I'm holding on to a resentment with expectation, judgment, and self-righteousness. Um, and just looking at how basically I am the reality police, right? And that like my resentment stems from thinking that things should be a certain way. But also in that, I can see how I think the rules don't necessarily apply to me in a lot of situations. Because if I think a rule is stupid, then I shouldn't have to follow. And like the entitlement and privilege of yeah, yeah. that, right? And it just took, it took me like a very long time through this process. Like my fourth step took me 18 months and I was turning pieces of it over to you as I had them. Yeah. And it took me a very long time to even perceive some of the harms that I was doing around, like just things I just didn't think they applied to me. I didn't think certain rules applied to me. And so therefore I didn't even consider them harms or wrong. And then it slowly came into my consciousness. And actually as I've, I, while we've been doing the sixth step, I've heard some shares in meetings and stuff around amends and harms. And I've realized that I have a couple more to add to that. So there's just like things coming, you yeah. know, it's like, it's, I think an amazing ability that addicts have to like not take responsibility for yeah. their stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a process. Yeah. Yeah. And also I just want to say for those for anyone listening that there was a reason why yours took 18 months and that was you know well there was travel in there and then there was me getting sick so there's that piece but also this was really a whole beginning for you of the ACOA Alma. so yeah. it just was like you know it was kind of like going down to a basement thinking that it's a standard basement and then realizing that there's actually an extended basement under the basement. Full of crap. Full of crap. And so it was actually a very big, huge, you know, and it led to a lot of incredible healing, but that's an example of, you know, why, you know, you had to start going to different meetings. You had to like, it was a big. Right. Yeah. And I would say that this fourth step for me was more, more far more pertain to the ACA Al-Anon piece of stuff than the because I I've done this is my third inventory so I've done a lot of the stuff about like what are the harms or when was I not present because I was in the food I've already right. done a lot of that work I yeah. haven't done a lot of the yeah. ACA Al-Anon yeah and again like I've said many times is that I I tend to only work with people who have already gone through the steps. I can't even remember. I don't even think I take on anyone who hasn't gone through the steps already. It just like, you'll, it'll be way too much for you. You know? Yeah. Anyway. All right. So thank you very much. I'm going to stop recording. So interview number three, um, hopefully I'll do these in order. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You are the third person. Um, which is again, uh, this is uh, Tom, another sponsee, and I am asking Tom um, how he went from the assignment of writing everyone out um, or everything that he was mad about, getting able to express that to me. And then the next assignment I gave you was, okay, go do your four step. So, and so what did you do? Now, I gave you the link to the sheets. You did. 
Yeah. And they were very helpful. And also um, going through the, the things that I was mad about really helped also because then I had kind of, I already had a list of stuff that had tweaked me in one way or another. And so both of those two things were really good starting places for me rather than having to pluck stuff out of the air. Yeah. And then um, for me, I needed to just, I needed to set a goal for myself to do something every week. And you had suggested, I think a couple of hours a week on the, on the fourth step. And I admit I didn't always make a couple of hours, but most weekends I made one to one and a half. And frequently enough, I got to two hours. Um, And then I had to be really patient with myself because it got long. I went on for a long time. There were lots of people, places, and things involved. Um, And as I went through, I found, okay, there are some duplicates here. So I spent a little time merging some duplicates and paring those things down. And I'm the main, I guess I think when I'm writing or talking a lot, so it's like, it's just coming out and that moves me to the next topic. And so it was helpful for me to open up my sheets, sit down, ready to write. And then that, that kind of prompted me. Also, the last thing I wrote had prompted me. And yeah, the- You had them all open at the same time in case one thing prompted another thing. I did. And then you could switch over to that document. Yes. And add it over there and, okay. Yes, I did that. that For our listeners, we need to add that uh, Tom is an older gentleman. Yes. uh, And so part of the long time is you had a lot of life to reflect on. Yes. Say a 25 year old or whatever, who's got like two decades to reflect on. Right. And then, yeah, another thing about patience was that um, I wrote a lot of things down. I got to a certain point where they seemed pretty full and then I focused on them separately. Um, And then I reached a point where I thought, this is this, I, I can't think of anything right now, but it's not done. And so then I came back and Nicole suggested, think about it decade by decade. And so I did that. And that actually brought out, I had some kind of empty decades the first time through. I think it was just periods in my my life with um, either I'd blocked it out or I didn't, there was a period of depression and I didn't remember a lot (laughs) very clearly at first from that. Um, So that was also helpful to take that as another goal for writing. And I also, and this is the other thing, and um, it still came out, you know, when I was doing the next step with Nicole, is I, I do have a tendency to overthink and overanalyze and um, think, oh, I've got to think of exactly now what was that, you know, thing that was causing this. And um, and I guess, you know, it's true as far as it goes, but it wasn't necessarily something that I needed to know to move through the, through the steps. It was right. kind of kind of the result of psychologizing myself or something. Right. Know? Right. Um, yeah. Well, I think that brings up a good point is, is that not to write out the story mm-hmm. 
We don't need the story because first of all, you're going to be, it's just a prompt for you to, you know, because in doing the fifth step, you have a chance to tell a story if I let you, you know, mm -hmm. what I mean? or meaning like, if I feel like you're just, I'm like, Tom, it's not, it's not important. <laughs> you know, I've heard this before. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it is. It's like, yeah. that's a painful story. And you need, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just basically, you know, so literally you could just be like, you know, whatever will prompt you to remember, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So that when you're doing your fifth step, you're like, oh yeah, this is what happened. So yes. literally you could write, you know, Bobby, you know, um, gym class, yeah. pencil, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and it would prompt the memory and then you would in our fifth step sort of say, well, it was this day that he and I were dinner, and I, you yeah. know, and and I kind of my nose and yeah. I wrote some out, not like pages. It was these. It was a table. Yeah, it was a table. So it was never more than a few sentences. Yeah. Um, but some of them were like what you've said is like the whole thing. I'd have a name, and I go. Uh, one of them I had a problem. Didn't call me back. Right, <laughs> right. Know? It's yeah. like that's all I needed to know to, right. to relate what was happening there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I did also find. That part about psychologizing myself, I don't know if it's true for everybody. I was in a spiritual program uh, community that had a certain way of looking at people's, we didn't call them character defects, but a similar kind of thing. What makes you fall into the same pothole every time? Yeah. Um, and, and I'd had gone through some therapy also. And I have to say that the, I did this once before and I feel that I kind of got into that too much. Uh, and it's, it's a part of overthinking. Right. But also it's not that having the exact diagnosis or whatever, yeah. that wasn't what I needed to do ever in the first place. Yeah. So this time actually was much simpler because it was yeah. more about, I've got this feeling and it's about this. So we'll figure this out, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good um, point to add, which is we're not in in this particular type of four step. We're not interested in the story. Mm -hmm. We're interested in the who, the what, the why. What happened? Not who is this person? Why did it? Just like what was the actual incident? Like you said, didn't call me back. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, and because he didn't come or called me a name or made fun of me, you know what I mean? Like, it's literally just what is the action, you know? Um, and then again, you, you don't need to put in the chart, which is why I like to use the chart. Well, he was my sister's cousin. <laughs> right. And, you know what I mean? and we were kind of rivals and whatever. It's like, no, 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 we're stripping all of that away. Mm -hmm. You know, just to what are the hurts that you're holding on to? Mm -hmm. You're not holding on to he was your sister's cousin. You're not no. holding on to that. And you're it wouldn't matter if I did. To, right. <laughs> so it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, you're holding on to the fact that he didn't call you back. Right. That's what you're holding on to. So yes. that's what we want to get down to. Yes. And then in terms of going over, you said broke it down in 10 years. Was there anything you did that kind of helped you do that sort of? Yeah. So the thing, by putting it into decades, I had, 
I had just started listing them and um, I could think of my life in phases like college and then post-college and then spiritual community and so on and so forth, which is sort of how I started thinking about it when I was writing through it. But there are some phases that weren't clear. Right. I mean, it just didn't pop things up. And so when I thought about the decades, okay, what happened in the 60s? Yeah. What happened in the 70s? Yeah. And things would come up and then they would associate with other things. And I, then those memories would come and I go, Oh, this is what I was doing in the seventies. Oh, and there's that guy or, you know, whatever more things would come up associated with the memory of it being the seventies and I mean, public, you know, public events or whatever was going on then also prompts those memories. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was very helpful. Okay, great. And then in terms of, um, you know, fears, how did you approach doing your fear? Yeah, that was more focused on what's going on today. And I believe that it was actually um, uh, what enlightened by, (laughs) by therapy I've done and reading that I've done. Yeah. uh, Because some aspects of my fears and other things have were not necessarily clear to me what I'm afraid of or why, but um, that is it wouldn't have been had I not gone through the therapy, which said, okay, yeah, this is something I'm afraid of. I have these attachment things. And so when certain things happen, I kind of freak out because it's like people are going to go away uh, or whatever. So that did get colored that way, but that was, I thought that was helpful for me to get to what the, get to what the feeling was about. Yeah. Did you keep a little log or anything or anything? So like throughout the day, if something came up and that you're like, Oh, that would belong on my four step. That would have been a good idea. Oh, you did? Okay. (laughs) I did not. Um, And, you know, I think I, well, I do remember jotting things down here and there, but I'm, I'm one of the things I'm, have been bad at for some time now is like having one place where the daily notes go and one place where yeah. the writing yeah. goes. So I've got, I don't know, four or five different notebooks and yeah. I may have jotted it down here or there and <laughs> yeah, not so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> the thing that I just realized, which is probably good for us to, to talk about is, is that in our instance, I asked you to take your sexual conduct inventory to your other sponsor. Now, so for people who are listening, um, Tom had a sponsor who was very, uh, who was not as bossy as me. And, Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm not, anyway, we don't want to get into the story, but for whatever reason, like Tom, you know, said that he would work with me or asked if he could work with me and, um, and that I knew his sponsor. And I said, well, I want you to keep your sponsor, his sponsor Mm -hmm. is a man. Is it because there's always going to be stuff that you're going to need to talk about with a man? And yes. then when it came to the doing our four step together, I thought, you know what? It would be better for our relationship if you took these to, if you took your sexual conduct to mm-hmm. Alan, your mm-hmm. male sponsor. So how was that for you? That was, that was actually really good because I was able to talk about some things with less fear, I mean, of saying something to you. Yeah. Um, and it was also, it was kind of affirming because he would, he would indicate, Oh, Oh yeah. I know that one, you know, or whatever. Uh, 
so that was that was helpful. That yeah. that worked out well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Church of Me Too again. Which the is, Church of Me Too. You know the fifth step thing. The Church of Me Too. And also for anyone listening, um, how I knew to do that was because um, when I was doing a fifth step, I had a wonderful sponsor who was like this 70-year-old, wonderful, you know, woman. Um, And her husband left her uh, because he was gay. And she had a lot of hurt and resentment about that. And I was queer. And also at the time I was, you know, so, and also I've done some wild and crazy things. And so I, I didn't feel comfortable telling that aspect of my, so I told her everything else, mm-hmm. including some of my like relationship stuff on sexual conduct, Right. but anything edgy or anything queer, I separated it out. Because, and I saved it for a woman who was in the same community. For again, the church of me too. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't want to, so it's a slightly different reason, but it's Mm -hmm. still the idea of taking this piece of my four step out. Because if I talk to, if I tell this to this person, there's a chance for identification. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. there's a chance of relatability and whatever. Yes. Where if I took that piece and I told it, now the wild kinky stuff, she probably wouldn't have, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I knew that her husband, quote unquote, turning gay on her was, difficult. was a touch. And I just didn't even want to, mm-hmm. I didn't want to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just wanted to talk about the particulars of my experience without having to think about with someone who wouldn't even right. think about. I don't have to worry about the effect it might have on the not listener. Just not the effect, but again, it's sort of like you talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about male sexuality to a man. So you mm-hmm. don't have to have a conversation about male sexuality. Do you get what I'm right. saying? Yeah. So yeah. as a queer woman, I took that piece of my inventory and told it to another queer woman. Yes. You know what I mean? So that there was no conversation about, you know. <laughs> that makes, yeah, really, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And from what you said, I it that is exactly how it worked out well. Yeah. We are similar in age. We've So we had a lot of similar experiences from the times we grew up in and, yeah. Yeah. There was nothing too surprising and, right. you know, and we yeah. understood, he understood yeah. what I was saying. And, easily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that way you can get down to, again, you can let go of the story uh-huh. because the person is not, the person you're giving the fifth step to isn't fascinated by your story. Right. You know, because they're not impressed by it. Meaning it's like, yeah, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so yeah. then they can get to like, <laughs> what was your part and da da da, you know, and it's just a lot easier and smoother for you. Well, that is wonderful. And then just in terms of any closing advice or suggestions to the person approaching their four step, Tom, any last parting words? Yeah, I would say it feels really good. Um, Even going through it, it can be challenging. You can kind of get worried 
and but I think my biggest fear was, oh, when I finish this, then I'm going to have to do something. And but I'm grateful to be in the position now that I can do something. So that, I guess, is what I would say is that uh, e even though I have not gone through all the steps yet, the benefits of even just this have been great. It's helped me. <laughs> I've actually had some big changes in my relationships already, some of them, just because I see stuff. I've seen it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, things couldn't stay the same, really, I guess. No, yeah. no, they can't. Anyway, thank you so much, Tom. I'm going to end you. the recording. All right. Hey, everyone. It's Nicole. I'm hanging with my friend Stephanie, also a wonderful, fabulous um, member of the fellowship. I was just telling Stephanie about how I was having technical difficulties with my um, podcast, but it's high-quality problems. I'm certainly grateful to have them. Um, Stephanie, when you did the four-step, did you have to do the worksheets? Um, yeah, I used the, um, the worksheets with the columns. Yeah. The, so the yeah. question is, how did you actually approach doing that? Like, and this is, this is for someone who is out there and who's just come across this, you know, instruction on how to do a four step. So I've interviewed Stacy, Megan, and Tom, and now I'm interviewing you around any tips or tricks around how to approach. You've got these worksheets in front of you. How did you even begin to, you know, approach doing your four step in that way, filling those sheets out? Well, let me uh, pull them out here so I can take a look and uh, refresh my memory. But um, I believe that um, I was instructed to go um, down the columns as opposed to across. So okay. like go through um, each name with the, the first column right. um, and then, you know, proceed on through the columns. Um, and as I recall, it was somewhat iterative in that, you know, I would, I would start with, you know, one set of names and then add some, you know, sit down another time and add some more. Um, so it was very organic for you. Yeah. But then there ended up being, um, names that actually came off the list for the, the ninth step. So. Um, but I guess that's, you know, you, you discuss that with your sponsor and figure those details out. But let me just pull my uh, sheets out because those will kind of help me uh, get them handy here. Um, so, yeah, so um, my uh, worksheet got kind of compressed into a spreadsheet um where i had the person a person harms forgiveness and amends well that's kind of after so i guess that's more ninth step but yeah uh, but when you first started to approach did you so for example i know that um tom broke started to think of his life in terms of decades like what what was happening during the 70s as a way to try and capture and remember everything you know what i mean and then i know that megan um you know she dumped out her contacts list of all these names and that sort of helped her um stacy was sort of more organic as she wrote she thought about more stuff 
Do you recall like how you how you answered the whole searching and fearless moral inventory and filling these sheets out? So um, in terms of, you know, pulling out context, I kind of did concentric circles of, uh, you know, people close to me. So like starting with those closest and then okay. uh, moving outward. Um, oh, okay. That's a great thing. So like, you know, uh, family of origin, extended family, family friends, friends, you know what I mean? Community work associate. Yeah. Just kind of looked at areas of your life and stuff like that to think of. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and in terms of, you know, the, the fearless and, uh, fearless moral inventory, um, <laughs> there are still days when I'm, <laughs> I mean, and I guess that's part of the process, but there are still j days like I have a friend who we've been friends since fifth grade. So we, yeah. we know each other's uh, deep, dark secrets. And when we start talking about, you know, different things that we did, then we uh, peel back the onion even further. So, right. um, but you know, each time you do it, yeah, I guess you think of new things and, so do you have any advice for someone, um, you know, approaching doing the, now they may have already done the four step through the, the workbook. A lot of people do that. And then, you know, then do the Joe and Charlie, I call them the Joe and Charlie sheets because the big book comes alive workshop is where I got those sheets. But, you know, just in terms of approaching the four step, you know, any advice or, I don't know if this is good advice, but um, <laughs> the being a perfectionist, um, I wanted to, you know, itemize every issue that had ever occurred and address every person that had ever, you know, I'd had an issue with or whatever. And um, I believe that um i don't know if it was fellows or my sponsor whoever who kind of directed me to you know um it's okay to just get it done you know it doesn't you don't have to make it perfect you can you know you're going to do this again right, <laughs> right. so um you know if if you don't get every little nook and cranny um th that it's okay so i don't know if you're if you yeah. agree with that but yeah. no yeah you know, you do your fearless and searching moral inventory. And at some point you just have to decide I've done enough. And if the voice in your head is like, oh, but you might've missed something. You might've missed, you might, you know, are you sure you got everything? At some point you can just say, you know what? Uh, I can catch it the next time around. Yeah. yeah. If it's, if it's that important, I can do this again, you know, or it will. And also my experience is, don't worry if you've forgotten anything or left in, it will come up. <laughs> you know, when you're ready, you will suddenly, it will rise to the surface and you will remember that experience or whatever. And then you can do a 10 step on it, or you can do another, you know, depending on what, where you were at in your recovery process, you can just do another four step. You know, my experience is, is that any four steps that I've done after this have never been as big as 
as this homework assignment that I'm giving people. You know, the first time that I did a fearless and searching moral inventory where I captured all of my past and everything, it, it was a big, huge project. And then anything that I've done after that, like I, I had to do a mini four step on my, my landlady one time, you know what I mean? And there was a lot there, but it was only, I only did it on her. I had to do a four step, you know, it then becomes situational or, you know, kind of doing a four step on a, on an individual person or on an individual or on a specific situation and getting some healing around that. So, all right. I'm going to stop recording now. You're awesome. Woo I did it. <laughs>